Who dat? Who dat? There are people in the Bible that we don't know a lot about, and um, yet they've had significant uh, input in kingdom building, and sometimes we're going to see in kingdom tearing down. But we're going to start this morning with Lot, and we're going to look at compromise. Lot, the man who compromised. Genesis 12, 1 through 4 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country and your relatives and your family's father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75 years old and he left home. Um, that would be an act of faith. We're first introduced to Lot in the latter part of Genesis 11, and we learn that he's the grandson of a man named Terah. Terah is the father of Abraham, who would later be known as Abraham. And Terah had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Lot is born to Haran in the same passage. We learn that, that Haran died a pretty young, at a pretty young age. And it appears from this passage that Lot comes into the care of his uncle Abram. So in Genesis 12, we read how Abram is commanded by God to, uh, uh, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And although Lot had a pretty good relationship with his uncle, it was here that we begin to see Lot's spiral to compromise. I saw four things in this passage and, they're, uh, when, and they, they can apply to us too. When possessions are the focal point in your life, compromise happens. When we don't follow God's plan, secondly, compromise happens. Thirdly, compromise will blind you to the evil in the world. And the final thing I see is compromise leads to moral failure. So in Genesis 13, the Bible starts to fill in a little more of Lot's life. And at this time, strife comes between the servants of Lot and the servants of, of Abram. And conflict arose over the fact that each man's herdsman, the, the person who is responsible for caring for these uh, huge uh, herds that both men possessed, they sought water and the best pasture for the animals that belonged to their master. So they, they got into a little bit of a tussle over that, turf war. And the Bible says that both Abram and Lot had been blessed with many possessions. I, I see that, uh, that God truly is faithful to us. And it doesn't always mean that, that this is the rabbit's foot. Do what God says that you should do, and you're going to be blessed with all kinds of, of uh, spiritual blessings. So... so uh, what, what we got here is, is um, 
uh, in Genesis 13, 5 through 8, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And at that time, Canaanites, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. We're family. We don't want to fight. And it appears that uh, Lot got the better end of the deal because Abram gave him a choice. You know, you go right, I'll go left. You take over here, I'm going to take over there. Whatever you want, son, it's okay with me. In chapter 14, Lot finds himself, though, caught in the middle of, a, of an international conflict. Um, and I see that when we don't follow God's plan, compromise begins. You know, he could have, he could have stayed where he was, close to Abram, and there would have been safety. But, but now, as it happens in Genesis 14, 10 through 12, as it happens, the valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything that he owned. So some kings began, began warring in the area where Lot and his people decided to live. And the Bible records they, they, uh, they got captured. And, and it wasn't just them. They took everything. They took all, the, all their possessions. They took all the cattle. They took everything that they had. And Lot was safe while he was with his uncle. Abram didn't take any chances. He had a large, large herd with, uh, with a lot of hired hands, and we, we know that there's always strength in numbers. Uh, we, we, uh, we know that when we live, uh, we live in that kind of environment, danger's minimized. So Abram came to the rescue. He defeated Lot's captives. He freed Lot. And he, he uh, freed the other captives, and he got all the possessions back. And, and so for a while, for uh, 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 not until probably Genesis 18, 19, not much is heard about Lot. But uh, we learn God is communicating with Abraham his intention to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And God pleads with Abraham, or, uh, God, Abraham pleads with God to spare the city, and there you, you read the account, and he, he, uh, he, he tries to make this, it, it's not making a deal, but he says, what if, Lord, if there's this or if that? Or that? And he comes down, what if there's ten righteous men and, that are in this city? Will you spare it? And God said, yeah, I will. I'll spare the city if there's ten righteous men. And I think that as we, as we look into, into this uh, portion of Scripture, you'll see that compromise is going to blind you to the evil in the world. 
preachers will uh, talk about the world and, and they'll have you believe that there's a demon behind every rock. You can't make a move without experiencing an attack that is going to result in you have to have an exorcism. And this world is, is a wicked, wicked place that we live. There isn't a day go by uh, this past week that someone wasn't shot here in Topeka. It's a, it's, a wicked, it's a wicked world. And as I see it, the problem is the world system. The, the, the biggest danger lies in who is running the world. You see corruption and temptation, camouflage. The, you don't have to dig too deep in the newspaper today to see how evil is running amok in trying to trash righteous people. People who have lived a righteous life and, and then they dig up dirt of something that happened four decades ago. Friends, let me tell you something. You go back in my life four decades ago. Well, let's see, four, uh, five decades ago. Um, you're going to find some pretty rotten stuff. You're going to see some things that you say, I don't know that we would want that guy as our pastor. I confessed it. My relationship with, with God is right because of what Jesus Christ did for me at Calvary. So I don't have to look back on the crud. I look forward to how God is blessing our family and blessing my life, not with riches, but with family, with uh, the way that, that I see my kids and my grandkids prosper uh, in the Lord. Those are blessings. And we're doing it in the midst of all this evil. And the devil wants to camouflage righteousness today. And he's doing a pretty good job of it. All these things are true. However, we have a promise of God that protects us. You know, we get, we get worried about, John, aren't you, aren't you worried about what's going to happen? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I, I am concerned for my family. I have a responsibility to protect my family. I have a responsibility to protect you from spiritual error. But I also have a promise of God in 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. Think of that. You are a possession of God. That's who you belong to. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Greater is he that is in you the King James says, and he who's in the world. We have that promise, undisputed, that God is going to take care of his children because we belong to him. And when it came to making decisions, Lot went with what appealed most to his earthly appetites and was blind to the dangers of Sodom. I, you, you read about, just in the, in the biblical account, of Sodom and Gomorrah, the evil. Uh, you say, well, you know, that's look at look at our country. Um, our country is evil, but it didn't. It, it hasn't approached the evil that we find in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
In other words, Lot saw what was best for him in this world and rather than what was the best for what his relationship with God would be. When he looked at the fertile valley of the Jordan plain, Lot saw how he could potentially increase his possessions in this world. Not how, hey, Uncle Abram, let's, let's look at this. Let's, let's sit down and, and uh, try and figure this out so we both prosper. It would be naive to think that Lot was not aware of the spiritual depravity in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. When we chose to come to Topeka in 1989, uh, uh, an Awana missionary used to pastor here years ago and told us, we looked at Kansas City, we looked down in, in Ottawa, we, we, were, we looked all over the place. And, and Arlen said to me, he says, John, he, you, you, you might uh, look real seriously into living in Topeka. He said, it's a great place to raise kids. Great school systems. It's a, it's a, a good people uh, living the life that uh, you'll fit right into. And that's why we chose Topeka. The, the, uh, we found a church right away, and, and we were welcomed into the community. Now, that's not to say that we haven't experienced some uh, negative things in the city. But we we're aware of that, and yet through it all, God's blessed us. We see here that, that uh, Lot, in spite of his knowledge, in spite of the evil that he saw of Sodom and Gomorrah, still chose the way that he did. We find that Lot first pitched his tent near Sodom, and eventually he lived in the city. So he lived on the outskirts, and then the allure of the city drug him in, and, and maybe he thought he would be immune to the corruption found in the city. Maybe, maybe he thought he could influence it for good. But instead, Lot compromised everything in his life, everything, because of the choice that he made. Man, you see that, you see that all the time in, in life, even with Christians. We make choices, and we know that those choices quite possibly could have a negative outcome, and yet we make that choice without thinking. And we bet everything that we have because we have a desire for something. 1 John 4, 5-6 through 6 says, These people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they don't listen to us. That's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. God's word doesn't, doesn't lie, doesn't make mistakes. But, but Lot's behavior in looking out for himself caused him to trust in his own ways rather than in God. And that's what gets us into trouble all the time, friends. It's vital that we check in with God when we make a decision. I don't think, I don't think that he really cared today that I wore black shoes. I don't think that he really cared today that you wore a blue t-shirt or that you wore a hat. I don't think that he cares that you have your sunglasses on top of your head. I don't think that those issues really matter to God. 
I don't think he's all that interested in the color of the interior of the car that we choose. Or, or is it Burger King or is it Wendy's? He doesn't care. There are a million things within the sphere of God's permissive will that are of minimal consequence. But when in doubt, seek the counsel of God. It's interesting to note that Lot didn't once, in all the, the, the uh, account of, of Lot's uh, doings here, he didn't once uh, check in and consult with God about his choice. Even after seeing how God directed the life of Abraham, Lot had his own plans and went his own way. He compromised. After being caught in this international conflict and being miraculously rescued by his uncle, you'd think that Lot would have gotten the picture and said to himself, maybe I made a bad choice moving here. And we can see that in our own lives. Maybe we made a bad choice. It doesn't look like it's working out. Maybe I need to reconsider my plan and do something different. Maybe I should have talked to God through prayer rather than just relied on my own uh, self. You know, God's given me a brain, I'm going to use my brain. Yeah, he has, but sometimes we need to seek God's face and consult what he wants for us in our life. So instead, he sold his tents and he bought a condo in the city in Genesis 19.1. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them, and he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. Compromise, friends. We're going to probably spend the most time here. Compromise leads to moral failure. The city gates are uh, uh, where men of stature would, would stay. Uh, these are the guys that the judges would be there. Uh, they, would, they would come and, and uh, people would bring their, their problems and the, the, these men would settle issues, uh, civil issues. So Lot weaseled his way into the city system, got elected to the Chamber of Commerce and became a city official to the most corrupt city in the land. God called it Rasha, or wicked. And Rasha denotes the category of people who have, gone wrong, who have done wrong, who are living in sin, and are content and have their mind set on staying in that sin. Rasha. Wickedness and a wicked mindset. This is the more general meaning of the world word. The, first, the, the Psalm 1 exhorts godly people not to imitate the deeds and behavior of Rasha people. Psalm 1.1 Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. When the angels came to the city of Sodom, Lot knew who they were. See, he still had a, a degree of spirituality there in him. He still knew, even though... He was buying into the city system. He still knew God's, pe God's, God's people, God's angels. And in spite of that knowledge, he tried to get out of the jam he found himself in when the mob came to the door demanding that he deliver his guests to be sexually molested. This is what Sodom and Gomorrah were known for. This was a, this was a city 
of unnatural affections. This was a city that uh, predominantly was a uh, city filled with, with homosexuality. And it says the men came to the door. I think that that's, that's important to note that, that it was uh, got the, the, the two angels that came. And we know that angels uh, do not have a gender. Angels aren't men or women. They're angels are angels. But when they take on the, uh, when they appear to men, they take on the form of a human being and they took on the form of men. And so the men of Sodom saw these new uh, new guys come into the city and they said, ah, you know, we, somebody new, let's go uh, get to know them. And so instead of shutting the door in the mob's face and trusting God that God would somehow work out a solution, Lot took things in his own hands. And diplomatic called the crowd his friends. Now, you're my friends. And, and, I'm not making a case against a particular sin here. You know, the Bible speaks very, very clearly about homosexuality being a sin. That's not the issue. The issue is that Lot settled down in the middle of these people, and, and while he may not have, have uh, 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 been a part of their, of their sin, he, he certainly... Uh, by nature of his of his being with them, gave approval, and and so he calls these people his friends. These are sinners. These are these are enemies of God, and he's calling them sinners or calling them friends. And what's he do? He offers his two daughters. He says, rather than my 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 guests here, let me give you my two daughters, my two single daughters that have not known a man. I've got two girls. You've got two girls. You've got three girls. You've got a daughter, Bart. You have three girls. What father in his right mind would do such a thing? But because he was blinded by the bright lights and the big city life, and position, he was only thinking about himself. He didn't want to lose his station in life, so he figures, okay, I'll satisfy them by because they're, they they don't want women anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and bait the trap. Maybe he's thinking that that they they won't mess with the girls because of of their their uh, sexual proclivity. But rather than allow my 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 guests to be molested. Here, take my daughters. Even when the angels miraculously delivered Lot from the crowd by making, the bl- making them blind and told Lot of God's plan of destruction for the city, the scriptures record that he hesitated when it was time to leave the city. You know you're steeped in sin when you have a clear warning from God and he's telling you, get out and you think about it. You hesitate. You say, well, it isn't that bad, God. I can, I'm, I'm a witness here. I can evangelize these people that are steeped in sin. 
God says, I'm destroying this land. I'm, I'm destroying this city. Get out. And he hesitated. To make matters worse, while leaving the city and heading to the mountains where God had directed, Lot pleaded with the angels to let him go to a small city of Zoar. He didn't, he didn't want to leave. God said, go to the mountains. It's safe there. I'm going to protect you there. But there's this small little city, and, he, and, and he's, he's played, let's make a deal. And they allowed, God allowed him to go to the city of Zoar. The most unsettling thing that ha- happens when we look out for number one is we can compromise our relationship with those who love us the most. Something I think that Lot forgot in his choice was that the only reason he had the things that he had was because he was part of the family of a man of God. And because of that, God blessed him. In leaving Abraham, Lot was walking away from God's blessings. He was compromising or placing in jeopardy God's blessings. And as you read the conclusion of Lot's life, You'll see the impact that that decision had. Peter writes this in 2 Peter 2, 7 through 8. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Wait a minute. Lot's in the middle of this mess. and, And you're calling him righteous? Because he had known what it meant to be in God's blessing, it says he was tormented. He knew the blessings God, uh, of God and, and the compromise that he was doing in, face, in, the, in the passing pleasures of the world. And these pleasures became a torment rather than a joy. Three times he's called righteous in verses 7 and 8. Lot's described as implicitly superficial, selfish, and worldly. Is that a righteous man? He displayed moral weakness and incredibly poor judgment. Is that a righteous man? He hesitated when the angels urged him to leave the city immediately after he escaped God's wrath, and he displayed shockingly sinful behavior, including drunkenness and incest. Is that a righteous man? Nonetheless... Lot was righteous in the sense of being a believer to whom God had credited righteousness by his faith. His reverence toward the holy angels who visited him provided a stark contrast to the perverted advances of his neighbors. He ultimately obeyed God's command and even warned his sons-in-law about the impending doom. And finally, when he finally left, he obediently refused to look back. Read the account. His wife didn't do the same thing. She turned back and looked at the city, looked at the, what she was leaving behind, and says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. So Peter's pointing out that Lot was righteousness in heart, and, and yet he was oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. His abhorrence for the sin of those around him was a sure indicator that he was a believer, and the word tormented means to torture. It demonstrates uh, the sheer uh, excruciation Lot experienced as he was exposed to the sinfulness all around him. See, he shoved it under the rug. 
and he decided that he could be an influence in this evil world by ignoring the evil. What, what can we learn from Lot's story this morning? What is it about this man's life that should serve as an example of what not to do? So from, from Lot we learn this, the, the, the incredible danger of looking out for yourself, self-interest. The decisions reached by Abraham and Lot are those the same that confront every Christian. We have to decide whether we're going to trust in the sovereignty of God or not. We have to determine whether to trust in the uncertainty of riches or in the God who richly supplies us. My God will supply all of my needs. We must decide whether to invest in the passing pleasures of sin or the future reward which is a promise of God. See, only what God promises and provides is going to endure. One thing that he has promised and he provides that will never pass away is his word. We call it the Bible. We have to recognize where compromise begins and its effect on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Where is it? You know, when, when possessions are the focal point in your life, you see compromise. When we don't follow God's plan, we're going to see compromise. Compromise will blind you to the evil of the world, the world system. And compromise leads to moral failure. Friends, although we still may experience the consequences of bad decisions of the past, God is going to extend his grace and mercy to those who will receive it. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the understanding that, that when we turn away from you and we, we negate your promises, we ignore your, your uh, prohibitions in your word, compromise will begin. Pray, Lord, that we would be people of faith striving to obey you and not compromise. Lord, if there is one here today that does not know you as their, as their Savior, may this be the day, Father, that they would make a decision to follow you completely. Pray a real simple prayer that will bring you to the very uh, place where you become a child of God. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And in the best way I know how, I invite you to come into my life and save me from my sin. I believe when you died on the cross, you died in my place that I might live with you forever. And I thank you for it in your son's precious name. Amen.